Yarra Libraries acknowledges the Wurundjeri Woiwurrung as the traditional owners and true sovereigns of the land now known as Yarra. We also acknowledge the significant contributions made by other Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people made to life in Yarra, and pay our respects to Elders, past, present and future. This podcast is part of Yarra Libraries, the Ewing Trust and the Little Book Room, celebrating Book Week 2020. The theme of Book Week 2020 is Curious Creatures, Wild Minds, and we have a lot to do. We've got A Marvelous Monster Fair, which is an online show from Carp Productions, Story Times, Costume Design and Diorama Workshops, and a Children's Illustration Competition, which is from preschool kids through to grade 6, with prizes awarded in each category for the most amazing creatures. So please check that out on the Yarra Libraries website for more details. Today on the podcast, we are joined by Adrian Beck. Adrian writes funny action-packed stories for kids. He's the author of the Derek Dool series, the Champion Charlie series, plus Alien Zoo 1 and 2, and he's the co-author of the Little Legends series with Nicole Hayes, plus the Kick It to Nick series with AFL Hall of Famer Shane Crawford. Yarra Library's youth and children's librarian, Lizzie Gilmore, talks to Adrian about what he was like as a kid, where he gets his ideas, hanging out with AFL stars, how to make it as an aspiring up-and-coming writer, robots, footy, and footy-playing robots. Warning, this podcast contains some of Adrian's dad jokes. Hi Adrian, welcome to the Yarra Library's podcast. Hi, Lizzie. Thanks for having me. Oh, this is going to be a blast. Thanks so much, Adrian. We're going to get started with a really important question here. Okay. When you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, gosh, what didn't I want to be when I, when I grew up? I wanted, <laughs> I wanted to do everything. But you know what? I grew, I grew up in Hobart, so I was in Tassie, and I think part of me really did want to be an author when I was young, but I never thought that it was possible because in Tassie we didn't ever really meet any authors and I didn't know any authors. There wasn't no such thing as school visits, certainly um, when I was growing up, so I didn't ever see any authors or, uh, you know, you see those names on the front of the book and you're not really sure whether they're real people or not as a kid sometimes, but they are real people. We are real people. We're real, everyone. <laughs> so, so it's possible, but I didn't dare dream that I could do it. Uh, and I was also really good at drawing as well as... So I was a pretty creative kid. So I wasn't really sure whether I was going to be, you know, a movie star, a uh, you know, a sporting <laughs> champion, or uh, uh, an author. In the end, I thought art might be uh, the way to go. But I was always trying to be practical and I was trying to be realistic. And I thought, okay, I love art. I love being creative. I don't think you know authors are really real. So I won't consider that. But I might consider using my art to do something uh, that seems practical. So maybe I could be an architect. So I spent a number of years thinking that perhaps I could design all these amazing, you know, buildings and, and whatever, and that would put all my drawing skills to good use. But I think that was because I didn't dare dream that, that there was other opportunities out there. That's amazing, Adrian. So I think for the, all the kids out there, dream big and Absolutely. just let, let your dreams just go where they take you. Now, kids, listen up because authors are real, okay? You're listening to one right now and I'm 100% real and anyone can do it. It's not being, you know, the most 
naturally talented creative person in the world. It helps to think creatively, but you know what it's mostly about? It's about hard work and never giving up. And that's what I realized when I became an adult. I realized that it's all well and good to uh, have be creative, but that only takes you so far. You've got to do the work as well. And so uh, if you're willing to do the work and put in the time and put in the effort, you can absolutely think big and dream big and achieve these things. That's wonderful, Adrian. Your dreams led you to becoming a writer. How did you actually get started, though? I got started with writing and illustrating. I, I think I was pretty much writing uh, books. In fact, I was writing books almost all through my childhood. I was always coming up with ideas and I was always uh, folding them together, getting A4 sheets of paper, folding them together and creating a little book, often though about, you know, kids spies and things like that. And uh, But again, I, I didn't ever think that maybe I could do that as a job one day. I just enjoyed doing it and I did it because it's fun. That's the reason why you do it in the first place. Um, anything else is a bonus really. So I've always written and I've always been creative and I went to university and studied uh, film because I thought that maybe that would be uh, a, there'd be a chance that I could use my creativity in a practical way. So I took a year off after grade twelve and worked as a courier in the mean streets of Hobart uh, and saved some money so that I could come over to Victoria, relocate as a nineteen-year-old, and go to university in Victoria to study film. And when I studied film, I was studying. Uh, the creative side and writing for film, basically, because I, in my mind, that's where I could take my creativity in a practical sense. I still didn't quite think it was possible to write books. I don't know why, but I just never really thought that I could make that leap. But I thought maybe I could make the leap with film. So I studied film and TV. And whilst I was studying film and TV, I was always writing scripts and things like that in the background. And it wasn't until I was fortunate enough to get a job in TV that I also start, I sort of started to realise that when you're working in TV and film, you're collaborating a lot with people, which on the one hand is a lot of fun and it's great to work in a team. And sometimes when you do work in a team, the idea becomes even better than the original idea you had because you've got all these other people that are working with you and helping you bring it into, a, you know, bring it up a level. But the thing was, the flip side to that is sometimes if you're a bit like me, you want to control everything. <laughs> you want to be in charge yeah. of it all. <laughs> and so sometimes with those special ideas that are really close to your heart, you just want to be a bit of a megalomaniac. And I thought, I started to think, well, you know, if you wrote your own stories, surely you're the boss. You're like, you're not, you're not, you're like the god of this whole world that you've created. You know, you can do whatever you want and you can make characters to do whatever they want and uh, the story goes wherever you want it to go. And so I started sort of sneakily writing a, uh, uh, my first book on the side. And I never really imagined that would ever go anywhere, but I just sort of did it because I wanted to do it and it was fun. And that was that would have been just after university that I really actually tried to write my first book. Um, but it took me all that time to actually sit down and uh properly try to write a, a novel or a story in that way. Up until that point, I was just sort of doing it f for fun and mucking around. And then I sort of uh, was in fits and starts during my teenage years. I got distracted by a lot of other stuff as can happen. Um, and it wasn't until, yeah, just after university that I started to think, oh, maybe I could 
put all my creativity into writing. If you're a creative kid, you can sometimes use that creativity in a lot of different ways. And there's no right or wrong answer. I mean, you might use, you might start a band or you might, you know, you might create your own t-shirt designs and put them online or something like that. Uh, it doesn't really matter how you use your creativity, but if you're a creative person, then um, it's, it, you get a, quite a kick out of you know, creating something new where once there was nothing, all of a sudden you come along, you, you work really hard and you put your mind to it and then you've created something new. And if you're creative, then that's a real driver for you to um, look for uh, opportunities to bring new things into the world. And sometimes it takes a while to work out exactly how you're going to do that and how you're going to channel your creativity. And that's why it's good when you're a kid to try all sorts of different things. You can, you can, you can try all sorts of different sports. You can try all sorts of different hobbies. And then eventually you might find your thing or you might find 10 things that you love. It doesn't really matter. But when you get to that point where you find something that you really, really love and you love it so much that you find yourself doing it in your spare time as a hobby for fun, then I think that's an indication and that's something that you should try and follow if you can into your adult life because it's an indication that you really have a passion for that one thing. And if you can turn your hobby, uh, something that you love, into your actual job, then that's that's the dream, isn't it? That's where we come back to thinking big and dreaming big. That's exactly what everyone wants to do. I love that, Adrian, and I love the fact that creativity can come in so many different forms. And I was just thinking there's so many kids out there who like doing Lego. Absolutely. And Lego is a great way of flexing your creative muscles because you're building worlds. Like that's part of writing books is building a world. Even if it's a if it's a world that's very similar to our own, like it might be like set at a school or it could be a fantasy world set in another universe. You're still building worlds. World building is such a exciting and creative pastime, and it's definitely used in writing. But you know, uh, Lego is a great way to flex that creative muscle as well. And I know a lot of writers, friends of mine, they will often use Lego to spark ideas for their new stories. Lego or even just doing sketches. Now, they may not be the best drawers in the world and that doesn't matter, but doing sketches and things like that, it can just take you, it can free up your brain a little bit and it can um, push those ideas forward a little bit. And so you flexing that creative muscle is a great way to get your ideas uh, evolving. Oh, that's just wonderful, Adrian. Where did the inspiration for the characters in your books come from? <laughs> inspiration for characters come from so many different places. You know, they could be your friends. Uh, they could be characters that you love from other books or movies or TV shows that you love. Or they could just come out of nowhere. They could just, you know, come into you in like in the middle of a dream or something. But the characters in my most recent book, uh, Derek Duell, they were sort of based on some of my favourite comedians that I really enjoyed. Uh, there's some really ancient shows out there that kids might be able to stumble across at some stage with their parents, maybe watching streaming services or whatever. Things like Faulty Towers and 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 things like that. Some British comedy really inspired my latest series, Derek Duell, because I wanted to write some of those um, comedians. I wanted to sort of take their spirit and put them into, you know, what would they be like if they were kids? There's a really famous British comedian called Rick Mail, and I thought, what would he be like 
if he was at school. And that was that you just need that one little question that you ask yourself. And once you've asked that question, it can t- snowball. And so you've put this character that you, you sort of know from another place, you put them into a new scenario, primary school, and then it's, it, it's a little bit of fun for yourself and hopefully for the readers, seeing how they adapt and seeing what they do in certain situations. And once you start writing, they become even more fully formed and you start to forget their origins because they become their own beast in a way. So you can sort of take the things you love and put them in a new context, put your own spin on it, and it becomes something new. But also you can also smash some things together, just just do a mix-up, and again, it, they'll become something new as well. So I'm, a, I'm big on taking those things that inspire you and creating something new. For example, in the Kick It to Nick series that I did with Shane Crawford, the uh, ex-footballer, ex-Australian rules footballer, the Nick and his teammates, they play on a cursed oval. And each book was about them taking on not only the opposition, but a monster that has been created due to the curse on the oval. And so we had to come up with eight different monsters because there were eight books in the series. And the way I did that was I was thinking about monsters that I love. And so one, for example, would be I loved Gremlins, which is a really old movie. Uh, so kids might want to check out Gremlins at some stage. It's a really old movie about these scaly little creatures that run around and cause uh, chaos. It's quite funny. And I also love Doctor Who and I love the Daleks who are the baddies in Doctor Who. I'm sure plenty of kids would know that those as well. So I thought to myself, right, if I mash together Gremlins and Daleks, I would get sort of like what I ended up with, which were the footy bots. So they're football playing robots and they're, you know, small sized. So they come to the school on science day. They're meant to do a bit of a um, example of the footy bots playing football on the oval. But of course, because they go to the cursed oval, uh, they malfunction and they become a bit like the gremlins and they cause havoc all around the school. So once you have that original idea of smashing two things together that you love, you do create something new. And then once you start writing and playing with that idea, the new idea becomes something different again, something entirely new, which is obviously influenced by things that you love, but a totally new invention that you can use in your own way and in your own stories. That's another way of doing it. But also I would say a third way to do it would be to think about those people in your life that always make you laugh or or that you really value or maybe in some ways that you think, oh, gosh, I can't believe such and such has done this again. Some people that might even annoy you. You can absolutely put them in your stories too. And you just often you just wind it up a little bit so you exaggerate their characteristics a little bit and make them even more of themselves, if that makes sense. So if you've got a dad, like I do, who thinks that he was a champion footballer, then you can uh, you can use that. Think of that one characteristic that you think is kind of funny and take that, put that in a character. And then I've got a character in the Little Legends series that I've written, co-written with my friend Nicole Hayes who thinks that he was a bit of a champion footballer and any opportunity he can, he'll try and prove it to all the kids in the uh, cul-de-sac. But obviously, whenever he tries, he often falls over and he, he hurts his back and, you know, the glory days are well beyond him. So if you think of those things, those little defining characteristics in people that you know, you can often take them and develop them and turn them into a new character as well. So that's some really good advice for kids who want to start writing. For those kids that want to become a published author, 
Do you have any advice about getting their work published? Keep writing. Make writing part of your routine because the more you do it, the better you get at it. And also reading helps you become a better writer because all the techniques and all the turns of phrase and all the words even vocab-wise seep into your brain and you don't even realise it when you're reading and that's actually helping you become a better writer as well. So I would say keep writing regularly, keep reading regularly and then there are plenty of opportunities these days for awards that um, kids can enter. I think there's lots of kids' publications, kids' magazines that publish short stories and I would definitely enter all the short stories competitions. A lot of publishers have uh, kids' short story competitions as well and sometimes you can be set up with like a celebrity mentor, an author who will help you with your work and talk you through uh, your first drafts. So I would definitely enter as many competitions as possible and keep writing regularly and remind yourself that it does take time. Not necessarily the first thing you write is going to be a bestseller. It might be, but often it takes a bit of time to get to that point where Everyone, not just your mum, loves your book. And it's it's all it's great that your mum does love your book, but it's also good to keep up that practice and make sure that you're getting better and better at what you're doing. I really love that advice, Adrian. At Briat Yarra Libraries, we have kids that just borrow so many books every week. And I think that that advice to keep reading is is really wonderful advice too. Yeah, well, you see, you don't you don't realise it's happening. But when you're reading a good book, it's all seeping into your brain. There's another tip that a friend of mine, Deborah Bella, who's a terrific author, she once told me, which uh, has always stuck with me. What she does, if she finds a book that she really likes, she takes a chapter that she really likes from that book and by hand, she writes it out. And then that gives her more of an insight into why she likes the way it has been written. So I would say that's a good tip for all the kids. If you really love your favorite book or you found a new book that really connects with you, you don't have to do a whole chapter, but have a look at at a paragraph and then write it out by hand and think to yourself, now, why is that working so well? Why do I like that so well? Are they using short sentences? Are they using a combination of long and short sentences? Are they using certain words at certain times? Uh, How fast is the pacing? Think about all those things. It's easier to think about those things if you're writing it out by hand. So if you really want to get down to the specifics of why you like a certain author's work, that can be a really good tip. You can learn some stuff from that process and you can use that in your own writing. Yeah, I like that tip of going old school, Adrian, and writing, actually using pen and paper. How do you write your books? Do you do a combination of computer and pen and paper? Often I find my brain is freer if in the first instance I'm sketching and I'm drawing sort of like a mind map. So a mind map can look like anything really, but you might start off with one idea. Write that one idea in the middle and then use sort of like tentacles of an octopus, all these other things that occur to you, you can draw around it. And that's uh, a form of mind mapping, but it could look like anything. Some people like to just draw lots of lots of doodles, lots of scribbles all over the page, uh, which helps them think too. But I think in the first instance, it's really handy to use the paper and I actually use a pencil. I don't even use a pen and I just sketch. And again, there's no wrong answers. You can write all sorts of ideas down on that piece of paper and it doesn't matter. No one's ever going to see it. So you can let your mind wander 
come up with all sorts of different things. You might come up with like 20 different things when you're brainstorming. And it doesn't matter if 19 of them you don't really like in the end. If there's that one thing you do like, then the whole process has been worth it. So I start by doing a bit of brainstorming in that way. And I'll scribble and I'll draw and I'll have a think about it. And sometimes I'll draw characters as well. If I'm struggling to think about who my lead character might be, I'll just start drawing. And then you might stumble across something you think, hey, that works for uh, my story. And it also inspires the type of character that might uh, live in my story. So it's good to, I, I find that it's great to start by freeing up your mind and scribbling. Then once you've done that, then I take it onto the laptop and I come up with a bit of a plan for the story. But in the first instance, I'm all about, if I could, I'd get butcher's paper and I'd draw all over it, you know. Um, I know friends of mine, James Hart, the author-illustrator, he has put black paint all over one side of his study. He gets a piece of chalk and he just goes for it and he just draws all over the wall. Now, I'd get in a lot of trouble with my family if I drew all over the wall in my study, but if you've got a big sheet or a big uh, canvas to play with, then that can really help free up your mind in that first instance. There's no pressure because sometimes you're thinking to yourself, what's my idea going to be? Oh, that idea is no good. What am I going to do? Oh, that one's no good. Oh, what am I going to do? And you're sitting there looking at this blank screen and the cursor's blinking at you and you think you're just not sure where to take it. But if you take the pressure off yourself, let your mind wander on the page with a pencil can free up your brain a little bit. Another thing I do as well, if I'm trying to come up with an idea and it's just not coming, I've tried everything. I've tried the mind mapping, I've tried scribbling, I've tried drawing, all that sort of thing. I'll turn it into a little bit of a game. And so I'll give myself 30 seconds. I'll give myself a topic. For example, with the uh, soccer series I've done, Champion Charlies, I had to write four different books for Champion Charlies. And so I know that it's about soccer. So I'll give myself a topic and then I'll give myself 30 seconds to try and come up with a storyline to do with a soccer team. And so in 30 seconds, I'll try and come up with 10 ideas. And again, it's really important that there's no wrong answers with these processes because that suddenly allows your brain to go anywhere. So the 30 second timer and you go for it and you just scribble down and see if you can get to those 10 ideas in 30 seconds. And then again, at the end of that, you might come back to it and think, oh, you know, four or five of those aren't that great, but two or three of them might actually be an idea that you didn't have 30 seconds before. And they might actually be a great idea or they might actually spark another idea based off that. So I think it's all about giving your brain permission to go wild for a moment. Now, I can attest that your Derek Duell series is laugh out aloud funny. <laughs> There's one particular scene which the kids might find particularly funny, and I know I laughed out loud, and that's where Derek was in the school hall bathroom and he was <laughs> drying his bum. <laughs> and what did Richard Richardson do next? <laughs> Would you like to enlighten us? Well, Richard Richardson, who uh, is not Derek's favourite person, left the bathroom door open so that everyone in the hall uh, saw Derek having to dry his bottom under the uh, <laughs> under the hand dryer. Well, it should be the hand dryer, but in this case, Derek had an unfortunate incident with some with some ice cubes. 
uh, they fell down his pants and he tried to, <laughs> he tried to dry his pants just to avoid embarrassment. But uh, the embarrassment level went up a notch when everyone saw him, you know, funneling air in places that you don't normally funnel air. <laughs> so true. So that brings me to my next question, Adrian. What was the funniest thing that happened to you when you were a kid? Well, look, Derek Dool, I said I said earlier that he's based a little bit on a, one of my favourite comedians, Rick Mayle, but there's a lot of me in Derek Dool. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, I was it's it's called Derek Dool Super Cool because he's trying to prove how cool he is. And yes, there were plenty of times when I was a kid that I was definitely trying to prove how cool I was. I can tell you one thing that's straight from the book, which I did, which didn't go all that well, and that is I got a friend of the family to rig up the Christmas tree lights with a couple of AA batteries so that they worked off for of AA batteries. And then I got uh, like a hole of gel and I just plonked it on my hair. And then I stuck the um, <laughs> I stuck the Christmas lights all through my hair like I was a Christmas tree. And, you know, the power sort of trailed down the back of my neck, underneath my shirt, into my pocket. And then I had the little AA batteries and a little switch in my pocket. And this is exactly, sort of exactly what happened with Derek. And so then I walked into the disco, into the, uh, we were having what was called a social back then. I'm not sure even if kids have socials these days, but it was called a social back then. And I walked into the social and as soon as sort of the lights dimmed, I flicked on my little button in my pocket and my my hair lit up like a Christmas tree. And uh, you know what? I thought to myself, I thought, you know, everyone's going to think, how cool is this guy? Look at his hair. That's amazing. And you didn't quite get the reaction I thought it would get, Lizzie. People sort of looked at me like I was a little bit odd. And so a little bit like Derek in the book, uh, I realized I'd, I'd made a bit of a mistake. I'd not read the room too well, and I had to rip out the uh, Christmas lights from my hair, and uh, I, I escaped to the bathroom as well. But I can, I can tell you that there was no... Um, ice cube problems, which I had to attend to in the bathroom. So that was that was a good thing. I had suspicions that Derek Dool might be slightly autobiographical, but I wasn't <laughs> sure if that would be polite to ask. I have another Derek Dool question for you, Adrian. Great. Now, does Derek Dool ever stop thinking he's the coolest kid ever? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> in a word, in a word. <laughs> Look, and that, that's the thing about coming up with characters, and hopefully the kids, the kids uh, might be able to take this on board. I like to think of one defining aspect for most of my characters, but the defining aspect for Derek is thinking that he is super cool, and that's where all the humour, all the plot. Everything comes from is the fact that he is completely deluded, and and he thinks he's the coolest kid not only in the room, not only in the school, possibly in the whole world. So obviously, on some level, he's not quite sure if that's true because he keeps trying to prove himself to everyone. But um, he definitely does think that he is the coolest uh, and he's desperate to show everyone that that's true. And that is that one defining characteristic in him that means that we can get comedy in almost any situation. If he walks into a room, no matter what's happening in the room, he will try and prove in some way that he's the coolest. Like if he walked into a farm, he would try and prove that he's the best at milking, you know, <laughs> or, or if he got onto a bus, he would try and, uh, you know, he'd try and prove that uh, he should probably be driving. You know, that's just who he is. So it's a good tip for kids 
to think about that one thing that makes your character different to every other character and that one thing that makes them unique, that drives their whole personality. And if you make that strong enough, it can carry a whole a whole book, a whole series, because it's strong enough and funny enough that you'll want to know what happens and why. And it will seem plausible that all these silly things that go on are happening. And it's all caused by that one character who is just completely deluded. I love the way you've, you've interspersed the dad jokes throughout the series as well. Do you have a favourite dad joke? <laughs> I have so many favourite dad jokes. I do. Why aren't koalas called bears? I don't know. Because they don't have the koalifications. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. I love the one in um, Derek Duell. How do you make a hanky dance? Oh, yes. How? <laughs> Put a little boogie in it. That's it. Yep. And look, as a dad, I'm highly qualified to uh, be saying as many dad jokes as possible and still finding myself extremely funny. You, you've written about soccer in the Champion Charlies yes. and AFL in Kick It to Nick. Where do you stand? Soccer or AFL? Oh, that's such a tough question. I grew up in a AFL footy-loving family and my two brothers were excellent at footy. My middle brother, he played footy for he's still playing footy actually and he was the coach of Hobart at one point um, and my youngest brother he represented Tassie in the under 18s and still plays footy as well and they were excellent at footy and my dad used to play for the Hobart Tigers as well for many many years so I grew up in a footy obsessed family but weirdly I played soccer so I played soccer right up until grade nine and I loved it and then in grade nine I swapped to footy and I wasn't so good, <laughs> it's fair to say. In fact, just before the Year 9 Grand Final, the coach took me aside and he said to me, Adrian, I've, re- I've worked out where we're gonna, what we're going to do with you in the Grand Final. Um, this is going to be perfect for you. And I thought, oh, great, this is my opportunity. I can't wait to find out where he's going to put me, maybe full forward. He's finally realised I'm a goal kicker. This is going to be great. Uh, <laughs> and he said to me, what we're going to do is we're going to put you next to the guy who's filming the game, and we want to make sure that his power cord doesn't come out of his camera. <laughs> oh, no. That's so cruel. <laughs> I said, oh, okay, cool, all right. And so I spent the whole grand final, that was my last game. Could you call it a game? I'm not sure. But I spent my whole end of grade nine season, yeah, next to the camera guy, making sure that the power cord doesn't didn't come out of the wall. Mind you, it wasn't like we were in the middle of a hurricane or anything. I'm not sure why the power cord would have come out of the wall on its own no. accord. <laughs> but the, there but I, might have been another reason. But I, I stood there and I made sure it was fine. And um, and you did a good job. I thank you. And I didn't, I didn't play again after that. But um, it's strange. I played a lot of soccer, and I loved soccer. And I wasn't too bad at soccer. Certainly not the best in the team, but I wasn't too bad. I really enjoyed it. But then I tried footy, and I just couldn't get the hang of it. But I, I love them both. I can't choose. I just I'm completely I'm completely torn. <laughs> when when I was a kid, my dad played a lot of footy. My nana and papa used to take us, and the cars would all be lined up around the outside of the oval. Yeah. Do you remember this? You used to press the car horn when a goal was kicked. Absolutely. 
I don't know if they still do that in um, local footy, do the car honking for a goal. Yeah, no, I think they definitely do, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just remember that so much. Yeah, that was great. I mean, I've got so many great memories of going to local footy games. Um, we used to, every week we used to go and watch the Hobart Tigers. In fact, they were my first team. Before I ever started following AFL, we obviously followed, growing up in Tassie, we followed TFL as it was known at the time and Hobart Tigers we were that's what that's all we ever thought about that's uh, we went along every single Saturday and it was freezing cold at North Hobart Oval I loved it I loved the whole culture behind going to a local footy match uh, and everyone sort of on the edge of their seats to see you know who's going to win and it felt like a, a really you you felt really connected to it and then of course the AFL started to become even more and more popular and then it dominated and and now uh, you know everyone mainly thinks about the AFL but sometimes you do miss that local feeling and that's why quite often when there's a local match on uh, in my local neighbourhood, I'll just take my girls and we'll wander down there and we, we don't even really know who's playing, but I just like soaking up the atmosphere. It's it's yeah. a great Aussie, part of Aussie culture. Yeah, and wonderful inspiration for your books. Now, so Adrian, you wrote a book with some books with Shane Crawford. Yes, I did. Uh, Shane Crawford is uh, a big kid, basically. So it was it was perfect to write kids' books with him. As I said earlier, I went into film and TV, and I worked in TV for a number of years. I still do a little bit of TV part time here and there because it's a lot of fun. And I worked with him on quite a number of projects, and. We decided we made a good team. Even though the first time we met, um, <laughs> it, it didn't go so well. He was still playing footy and he was doing a guest spot on one of those travel shows and I just I just joined the TV, the TV industry and so I was what's called a gopher, uh, which meant you go for anything. And I had to stand next. To, he was doing a what's called a piece to camera where he just had to say a couple of words to the camera and then wander off. And I had to stand next to the camera operator with this big bounce board. So I was bouncing the, the light from the sun into his face so that he was lit beautifully and everything looked perfect. Except, you know, it was a bit of a cloudy day and I was a little bit of a fidgety young fella. <laughs> and, and, and he was just starting out, so he couldn't quite get his words out as best as he was trying to. So I was trying to hit him in the face with the sun. And when I hit him in the face with the sun, he mixed his words up and then He'd get his words right, and I'd miss him. Oh no! <laughs> halfway through, I'd just flash sun onto him, and then flash it off him accidentally, <laughs> and it looked like some sort of strange, weird signal that was going on, like <laughs> semaphore or something. I reckon it was. It only took us about seventeen takes, so um, it was perfect. So, it, <laughs> in the end, we decided we made such a great team despite starting off, and we thought, yeah, well, we spend a fair bit of time on TV projects together, so in the downtime there's a lot of waiting around for uh, equipment to be ready and things like that so in the downtime we just started coming up with ideas and one of them was this kids book and we thought wouldn't it be great if we could sort of take some of Croft's uh, experiences growing up and sort of give them a um, contemporary context so take some of his experiences and make it relevant to the kids that are reading today and so Nick was very much based on Shane, which is sort of like what I was saying earlier, you can definitely take inspiration from those people in your life and turn them into new characters. And so we based that on, uh, based Nick on Croft, and then we just threw all sorts of strange other ideas into the mix because we both have sort of wacky senses of humour. And so he really loved the idea of a cursed oval 
And um, that's where all the strange monsters came from all through the series as well. But working with someone is an interest. It's an interesting experience because you've got to sit down there and and listen to their, all their ideas and then give your ideas back. And when it's working really well, your ideas become one better idea because the two of you have collaborated and that's what you're trying to do all the time. There are times, of course, when you disagree and that's when you've just got to work it through. But um, often when you've been working on an idea and then someone comes in uh, with this other wacky idea, that can often elevate it and make it even better. So Shane Crawford was a famous Hawthorne player. What team do you go for and did this <laughs> cause any tension between you and Shane Crawford? <laughs> That's a very good question because I actually go for St Kilda. The funny thing is my wife is mad passionate Hawthorne and my two daughters are mad passionate Hawthorne and my father-in-law loves Hawthorne and my brother loves Hawthorne. I'm pretty much surrounded by Hawthorne. So though I go for St Kilda, I know everything that's going on with the Hawks. So, so there was plenty for us to talk about and I guess... You know how I wouldn't say I necessarily have a second team, but given how much uh, Hawthorne games I've watched and and been talked to about, yeah, I ended up, I end up just watching uh, Hawthorne games as well, pretty much. And and have you met any other famous footy players? The most famous footy player I've probably met would be Gary Ablett Jr. He was a very nice guy, probably a bit of a quiet guy um you know no, he doesn't come into a room and say hey i'm gary ablett everyone like derek Dorwood. um <laughs> but uh yeah he he's he was a very nice guy but yeah i met a lot of a lot of footballers and did, did, is plugger one of your idols <laughs> i do i do like plugger um but the kids know who plugger is i'm not sure plugger, kids if you don't know who plugger is he was like uh the buddy franklin of the time i guess <laughs> he he just used to you know kick bags of goals every single week. Um, bags and bags of goals. And he's right. a big guy too. He was massive, yeah. Well, look, my idols really, and kids, again, you might have to look up these names, but Robert Harvey I used to think was awesome and Lenny Hayes and Nick Revolt. They were probably my f- three favourite players from the Saints. And the funny thing is I called Nick from Kick It to Nick after Nick Revolt. Um, ah. And I didn't tell Croft why he was called yeah. Nick for a while until until it was too late, basically. <laughs> well, Adrian, thank you so much for joining the Yarra Libraries podcast. It's been an absolute blast talking to you. You've got so many tips for kids wanting to become writers. or And, yeah, it's just been a pleasure to have you on our podcast, Adrian. Thank you. It's been great fun for me too. And if I could leave you with one tip, I think that would be, kids, just keep trying. Don't give up because your first attempt might not make it. I mean, your 10th attempt might not make it. Your 100th attempt might not make it. But – 101st attempt might make it. So uh, it's all about, if you want to be a writer, it's all about picking yourself up and trying again and giving it another crack. And I know you see all these books on the shelf and you think, oh, these guys must be genius. You know, are they geniuses? They're not geniuses. They've just tried hard and they haven't given up. And that's what I want you guys to do is keep trying because if you never give up, you will get there. That was Lizzie Gilmore talking to Adrian Beck. 
Be sure to visit the Yarra Library's website to check out other fun things we have for Book Week 2020, Curious Creatures, Wild Minds, including The Marvelous Monster Fair, an online show from Carp Productions, Story Times, Costume Design and Diorama Workshops, and a children's illustration competition, which is for preschool kids through to grade six, with prizes awarded in each category for the most amazing creatures. Thank you to the Ewing Trust, Yarra Libraries, and the Little Book Room for making this podcast happen.